This is Retake, a show about enjoying the cinematic arts that includes blockbusters, epic classics, thought-provoking sci-fi romances, and pretty much anything else that catches our fancy. I'm Joe. I'll be the expendable chief deck officer. Joining me today is my good friend TJ Draper, who is a little under the weather from hibernation sickness, and also a mechanical engineer, our special guest, Mr. Adam Clark. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, man. Thanks for uh, inviting me on. It is a pleasure to have you. You know, I understand that you have been doing some podcasting yourself and you really love podcasting. I I know you to be one of the most avid cultural, pop culture, like story enthusiasts of my whole life. I knew you growing up (laughs) and you were the most well-read guy around. You read far more, you know, uh, science fiction and fantasy than anybody else I knew. So (laughs) <laughs> it was high time we had you uh, on the you're, show. It's, you're you're, you're that just is, a well That is complete man. flattery. <laughs> so that's complete flattery because that's not true. But. <laughs> Every time I saw you, you were reading a book and, you know, just everywhere you went. So, Well, I, I love podcasting. This is the first podcast I've done in a year and a half after being a full-time podcaster for almost a year. So thank you very much for having me on. I'm really excited to... Uh, to just do a podcast. So Joe, you, you thawed me out from the, uh, as you said, hibernation sickness, you thawed me out from the carbonite and here I am. <laughs> I'm hoping my voice won't get too hoarse as we talk because I've definitely been under the weather and I'm slowly clawing my way back to reality. Yeah, it's, it's 2017, and, uh, man. It, it's time to get the show on the road. Yeah. Happy new year to both of happy you. Happy new year. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. So, uh, boy, this, this sickness that I had really threw off the schedule. I was really looking forward to getting to while you were sleeping. And I still hope we can do that. I still think we can call it a kind of a late Christmas addition to the, Mm. to the retake fold. But, um, passengers has been out in theaters for a while and it seemed like a good time to review it, Joe. So why don't you, why don't you get us started down the road of talking about this uh, sci-fi? Yeah. So it fell underneath my radar, even after I saw the movie trailer in the summer of 16, because, with a title like Passengers, it just really didn't stick with me. The trailer did, though, and I was like, I am going to see that movie. And none of my <laughs> friends were, and time rolled around to December, and I was like, that movie's out now, isn't it? And what is it called? And I had to look up Jennifer Lawrence on Rotten Tomatoes to find the name of that movie. And then that's how I found it, and I told some friends off the cuff, hey, you want to go see it? And they said, sure, what's it about? And really, apparently... uh Nothing about the name really stuck with people. And when we saw it, it was pretty good. So it's a sci-fi film set in the future in space starring Jennifer Lawrence and what's his name? Chris Pratt and a couple of other smaller, very interesting appearances. I, th- I think it's I think it's J-Law, Joe. You got to call her J-Law <laughs> at this point. Is that what all the cool kids are doing these days? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. J-Law. Yeah. We'll, we'll just refer to her as J-Law from here on out. Right. <laughs> So we totally won't do that. <laughs> good. TJ, good. you run through some of the stats on this film. Okay. Well, this film was released on December the 21st, 2016. So right before Christmas, it was directed by Morton uh, Tildum, who also directed the imitation game, another fantastic film. And I dare say better than this film, uh, even though I like this film. Uh, but uh, you know, the imitation game is fantastic. So it's the same director production budget, 110 million, which, um, Good movie, but feels a little high. Uh, <laughs> the worldwide gross has thus far been 123 million, and that's probably about all it'll make because it's starting. I, I would assume, especially since Star Wars Rogue One is out in theaters, that it's going to be fizzling down. It's going to be a lot harder, yeah. As you mentioned, Joe, the cast uh, is uh, Jennifer Lawrence, who apparently is she first billed. I you, that's the way you put it, put it in the order here. That is the way it was billed on Wikipedia, so not necessarily reliable uh, okay. sources. I would have called Chris Pratt first billing. But anyway, Jennifer Lawrence as Aurora Lang, Chris Pratt as Jim Preston. Michael Sheen as the android Arthur. Lawrence Fishburne, almost a cameo, as Chief Gus Mancuso. Um, Andia, uh, Andia, Andy Garcia <laughs> as Captain Norris. Uh, I, I don't even know who these people are. I think they just appeared at the end, right? Aurora Perineu. Perineu? Ah, I think so. Maybe she's me. one of the people sleeping <laughs> in a casket, glass casket for all the film. Yeah, and Jules Serta as teacher. I assume that's one of the, that's the computer teacher thing. Oh yeah, okay. So the uh, yeah. the composer was Thomas Newman. He did uh, films like Finding Dory, Saving Mr. Banks, Skyfall, Wall-E, Finding Nemo. So he's not new to this industry. Um, I don't believe he's any relation to Randy Newman, but I could be wrong. 
Um, anyway, the storyline, Joe, that's your specialty. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. Okay. So a spacecraft traveling to a distant colony planet and transporting thousands of people has a malfunction in its sleep chambers. As a result, two passengers are awakened 90 years early, which means they are going to be dead upon arrival. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that much, uh, that much we knew going into this film. If you watch the trailers, and I, I actually didn't have trouble remembering the name. I saw the, um, I saw passengers, and I saw that Chris Pratt and uh, Jennifer Lawrence were going to be in it. And so I watched the trailer, and then I was definitely hooked. Like this is, um, this was, th- this looked like it was going to scratch the uh, semi-serious sci-fi itch that I, I like to scratch once in a while. <laughs> and, if only. Uh, if only, yeah. TJ. <laughs> well, well, okay. We're, I feel like we're going to disagree because it did it for me. So we're going to get there. Um, but but I just, you know, I think that the best place to start is kind of our initial impressions before going into this film. And I, I want to say that there's a big there's a big decision and the way one of the passengers gets woken up that was not that was very well kept secret. Like I did not realize. And it, it really changes the tone of what this movie was for me when I realized that that's where this was going. Yeah. And I, I think it changed it for the better. Um, because I assumed, well, let's just, let's just blow the spoiler horn here. Uh, and, and because I don't think we can oh, talk yeah, about this without do, spoilers. Yeah. yeah. There's no way. The spoilers that start happening early in the film. That's why we have to say that now. Yes. Yes. So the idea that I got from the trailer was that, um, they, they both had malfunctioning pods and were both woken up and 90 years early and had to work together. That's not at all what this story is about, and I think this is the better story, the one that we actually got, not the one that the trailer sold us on. So that's good. I'm, I'm, I wasn't disappointed by that, but uh, you know that, that I man, that, that was definitely a uh, a twist for me that I wasn't expecting. What about you guys? Yeah, I I, uh, I saw the trailer as well, and it was very intriguing. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Chris Pratt. I'm, I'm not as big yeah. of a fan of. Jennifer Lawrence, um, even though I think she's an amazing actor, but, um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I did not know exactly what to expect going in. I don't know about you guys, but when I'm going to go see a movie, I, um, I don't look at anything. I I disconnect from Twitter. I, you know, mute mentions of that name. Like Mm -hmm. I, uh, I hate going into movies knowing what I'm going to get. Like (laughs) part of the fun is, uh, just being completely, blown away so uh yeah i it's it was definitely not what i thought i was gonna see i was a for i was actually afraid that in the trailer where they showed michael sheen as the bartender that that alone might spoil the film for me because it, it was suggesting some things at the counter scenes that well i thought they could be a lot more significant than they actually turned out to be in the film so it wasn't spoiler free but it was not as bad and not as spoilerific as I was afraid of. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I don't uh, – it sounds like I'm not nearly as careful as you are or maybe someone like John Syracuse who like goes on rampages and mutes and blocks people and keeps – you know, whatever. So I'm not like that. But I do uh, I do avoid uh, spoilers after a certain point. So I, I only watch the teaser trailer uh, and I think I did watch one more trailer because I could, just couldn't resist it. Um, and then I, then I was like, I went black, you know, dark. I don't want to, I don't want to see any more about any of this. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a good experience in that way. Now I want to get to something you said, uh, Adam, which is that you're not necessarily, you're not as big a fan of Jennifer Lawrence. And I'm, I'm curious to explore that a little bit because I think that she's fantastic. Um, I, I, there, the things that I feel like she hasn't done as well in, I don't feel like are her fault. Uh, for instance, I, you know, and I know that I'm going against the critics here, but I will be with this movie anyway. Um, Silver Linings Playbook, I think, is a deeply overrated movie, and I don't feel like <laughs> she was that great in it, but I don't think that was her fault. It was because I didn't like the movie and I didn't like the way her part was written. Yeah. Um, so, but, but for instance, when she's, you know, Raven in X-Men or Katniss Everdeen in the Hunger Games, I mean, she's just fantastic. She knows how to deliver a performance that is just fantastic. So I just wanted to explore a little bit what, what you're, what, what you might not like so much about her. Well, I, I, I have never really liked her because I hated the Hunger Games movies. So, <laughs> oh, no. um, so it was oh, that, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll say I love the books and, and that, and that's always the case. If I love the book, I'm really probably not going to like the movie. Mm. And so I didn't like those movies and, and then I think that kind of prejudiced me against her, but 
even though I don't think she did an incredible acting job in this movie, I think she uh, was just okay acting wise. I think that she truly is an incredible actor and, and other movies she's been in besides the hunger games, uh, like she definitely deserved her Oscar and stuff like that. So it's more just a first impression of her and the hunger games. And I, I disliked those movies so much that it, um, you know, it affected my impression of her, but there's no denying her talent. I'll I'll put it that way. Interesting. I'll I'll try not to talk about The Hunger Games because I I love those movies. I also love the books, and I felt like the movies (laughs) were a a good portrayal of the books. But in any event, uh, Joe, why don't you get us back on track before I take (laughs) us off track? (laughs) Well, it's interesting that the way you feel about an actor is often based on how they portray good characters in a good book. And I I can sympathize with you there, Adam. Thankfully, Chris Pratt is not tied to anything besides, say, Guardians of the Galaxy from a book book or a so-called book. Yeah. So I'm not worried about people not liking Pratt. <laughs> he can. He's great. How can you not like Chris Pratt? He's he's so and he great. makes the first. He's half impossible of, not to like. Yeah, and he and he yeah. makes the first half of the film because so much of this movie oh, man, depends yes. on his performance when he's mostly alone in the ship. Well, the entire first act is just Jim Preston and being alone, and we find out he's been alone for a year, and he really sells that performance like so well. And you're you're in his head. You have this empathy with him. It is such a great first act. And I was also surprised that Jennifer Lawrence wasn't in the first act. You know, from the trailer, yeah. it looked like it was all about them. And it's really this is Jim Preston's story as much as anything. Yeah. And and it's yeah, he really sells that so well, well. I loved it. He made the first half of the movie because he was the only one in the first half of the movie pretty much, <laughs> yeah. but sure. uh but uh yeah, I, I I agree with you. It was um I I'm torn uh, um because uh, cuz this is a movie that uh I liked, but I feel uh, guilty about liking. <laughs> I kind of, I, I kind of <laughs> want to not like it, and I definitely agree with uh, the critics that the the third act was so bad. Um, <laughs> it it, it huh. pretty much, you know. Here's here's the here, here's my quick summary. You know, my wife and I went to see this, and I've been married for about ten years. This is the first movie in ten years that my wife has not fallen asleep in. Um, and she hated it. So it was kind of like, a, oh, wow. you know, but like for her, the third act was so bad. It couldn't redeem the first two acts for me. I agree that the third act was terrible, but it wasn't terrible enough to, um, overcome how much I loved like the first two acts of this movie, the, the two, first two thirds I thought were amazing. Like I was just blown yeah. away. I was sitting in the theater, like, this is so awesome. And then I don't know what happened two thirds into the movie. It just took a hard left turn into like Michael Bay Armageddon territory, in my opinion. And, <laughs> and I, uh, just, you know, so I, I, I really enjoyed it despite wanting to not enjoy it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I, I, hmm. I really want to explore what you mean by Michael Bay Armageddon territory because I can't stand – there's only one Michael Bay movie that I like, which I consider to be a fluke. Every other Michael Bay movie that's ever been made is a piece of trash, <laughs> and um, uh, and I, I didn't feel that way about this film at all. I mean I, I, I guess I don't know where else the third act could have been going. You know, because we saw the systems continually failing and that there was going to be some dilemma that, that they were going to have to do. And, you, you know, I, I guess I don't understand where that's coming from because I I loved the third act um, pretty much as much as the rest of the movie. I, I might give you that maybe it wasn't – they could have maybe done something a little bit better, but I, I don't know what it would be. And I was very satisfied with it personally. And my, my feeling coming away from reading the critics' reviews and seeing the, the Rotten Tomatoes scores at 33% – is I I am really and I've seen this before with critics like I feel like they're just so um, cynical like they see too many movies yeah. and it, they're just so cynical now now I don't want to put you in that category though because you know you're, you you don't probably see as many movies as the critics but that's what I felt like when I was I'm just telling you how I felt when I was reading these critic reviews after I saw the movie I'm like what what movie did they see because I didn't see that. But it's funny because everybody has their own experience coming to this. And, and Joe, I'd like to get your take on on this uh, this idea as well. Okay, so my experience was a lot more like Adam's because going into the movie, I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as much like the trailer as I thought it could be. And they give all this development to 
the you really begin to appreciate all the lives on the ship, even all these people are asleep and you don't know their names. They did a good job of making you appreciate all the crew members and just the idea of the passengers on board because the way that they built up Jim Preston, you understood that with time, there's this whole culture around this company and they're trying to start new lives together. Sort of like founding a new America or something. They're going to go off and be space travelers. They're going to do good deeds there. They're going to create something great from the ground up. And it's hearkening back to Wally and what the, the ultimately the humans do at the end of Wally. Colonizing. Yeah, there's definitely some comparisons there. Well, and it was just so whimsical on the ship. It was so well made and meant to be for people's pleasure. And obviously they were going to go do great things together. But then you could see how these bugs could really ruin the ship, it could really take over and just devastate everyone's lives and kill them all in their sleep. So you, there, the tension was really potent for Jim because his life was going to be forfeit anyway. He was going to be dead. But he still felt mm-hmm. like he belonged to this 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 endeavor, and it wasn't supposed to be his responsibility, but it becomes his responsibility to to do whatever he can to help people on the ship. And what I noticed was once Jennifer Lawrence's character comes into the scene, though I loved the play between her and Jim, and then how they introduced Lawrence Fishburne, I, I was just thinking. There's so much potential here, but it's beginning to wane because I think that they spent so much time with Jim alone that they wanted to compensate with giving Aurora a lot of screen time in Act 2, the second half of Act 2. So she began to dominate more and more screen time to the point that Chris almost felt like he was (laughs) forgot because by the time they got to Lawrence Fishburne, they really needed to give him some attention too. And so he's got this very small role to play. And so then the screen is split three ways between these three characters that deserve loads of attention. And then it gets really kind of utterly fantastic and over the top with the sci-fi elements. And I, I, I was like laughing because it was so over the top what they were trying to get me to believe. And Adam, the biggest thing of all was that Jim survives like, Really? Oh my goodness! Gosh. Yeah, you're exactly. My my wife was laughing in the theater. I was going shh, shh you know, but she's you know laughing again in the third act. And I I'll get into it later if we get to that. But I agree completely. Well, it, it's like it went into Gar- is, Guardians of the Galaxy territory, except that those people had excuses for being aliens with better bodies or humans with superpowers, <laughs> like we didn't have here. But what you said about potential, I mean. That's what sums it up for me. That that's what I have such a hard time with about this movie is I feel like it's squandered potential because there's so much potential. Like the story is really refreshing. There's, there's yeah. Well, there's so much potential to explore. You know this sort of existential crisis that uh, Chris Pratt is going through, kind of like a, a Castaway with uh, Tom Hanks. I feel like this movie has far more in common with you know, uh, you know, movies like Castaway being stranded on an island than it does with science Mm -hmm. fiction. I feel like science fiction is just kind of trappings on the tree, if you will. And at its heart, it's not really a science fiction movie. And, and that's what the first two acts like were so great. And I just feel like they, they, they squandered, um, uh, it could have been uh, a really great, um, existential, you know, kind of movie, but they decided for whatever reason to tie everything up at a nice bow and, and the third act and, and just the sheer impossibility that he, that that's in the third act, Chris Crab basically becomes a superhero and, you know, with death defying feats. And it just, it, I feel like the last third of the movie just was not even the same movie. It just went in a completely different direction than I thought it was going to go. Mm. And I think that's what, I was disappointed by him. See, I, I feel like I'm on the wrong podcast. Like I saw a different movie. <laughs> well, okay. So my, my comeback to that is I was in Adam's shoes. And then a friend of mine, I was watching it with the, their commentary afterward was, you know, it really wasn't a sci-fi film. It really is just a romance. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's sleepless in space. Yeah, That's what it was. It, well, and because, it, yes, yes and no, but, be, but because it gets to this, but it gets, it gets to this point where, 
it is fluffing off the conventions we need to respect about sci-fi in the effort to to really respect the conventions of romance. So, yeah. so the the romance conquered the sci-fi themes. So so yeah, and I'm I'm a sucker for a good romance story as we've talked about before, but I think more than that and the reason that I liked the film is is or one of the reasons I like the film is because it's a story about redemption. Okay, because you have a Chris Pratt, uh, uh, Jim Preston, and his dilemma. Right, he is all alone on a spaceship full of five thousand people. Like, but he can't talk to them. He can't wake them up. He's going to be dead when they wake up. And and so he's he has this 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 is very honestly the film is very dark in the first it act kind of because is. it really takes Jim Preston well, to it's this dark place. Humor. Well, not even humor. I mean, I mean, there's certainly some humor, but then but then it, it by the time the first act winds up. And, and winds down, Jim Preston is ready to kill himself. Like he almost commits suicide because he's been on the ship for a year. The only company he has is this android who who is not all that good a company because he's not, you know, he, he has these conflicts within himself when, yeah. when he says, you can't be here. Well, you know, or, oh, th- then obviously you should wake her up. And then he's like, but this, oh, well, obviously you can't do that. That's immoral, you know. <laughs> so he, this is no help and this is no good. So he's at a very dark place and and he's in this really dark territory and and he makes a morally dubious decision like this is this is objectively wrong it is the wrong decision to make now you know obviously in the grander scheme of things that he doesn't know about and this is what makes it wrong is you know if the, the ship is going to explode and everybody's going to die if something doesn't happen but he doesn't know that at this time and so he wakes up somebody who was on uh, you going to be sleep for 90 years and re, you know colonize a um a uh, a planet so so he makes this morally terrible decision and um you know then then you ha- but you have to think about because the movie has spent all this time putting you in his head you know what you know you're in you're in Jim Preston's head and you're really empathizing with him and you 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 want him to not do the morally bad thing but you're also like but would I do that if I were him because I would be all alone and here's this yeah. and, and and on top of that he's been getting to, he's been reading her work he feels like she's this, this great person like so so all this morally dilemma stuff so he makes this terrible choice he wakes her up he's discovered but in and, and so he's discovered in the selfishness and destroy, basically ruining and destroying her life and then he gives up his life so the story is about his redemption so he gives up his life his life is ultimately saved by her but then he offers to her you know to, to I'll be I'll remain awake this there's one way we can put you back to sleep and so this is his redemption. This is a story about Jim Preston's redemption. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. But I guess, I guess where I uh, I feel like you know the redemption has to be believable. Like it has to be earned. And I feel like where Passengers failed was the third act was not earned. Like I didn't feel hmm. like the the redemption. You know, the nice and neat happily ever after ending was earned. Like it just felt like. It honestly felt like um, uh, it just switched to a different movie to two thirds through and suddenly these characters are making these decisions that I wouldn't really believe that they'd actually make in that in those situations. So that's totally is about redemption. But I just felt like his redemption wasn't uh, from an audience standpoint. I don't feel like it was earned. I often thought, man, this film would have been better if they had just. I mean, I I wasn't crazy about the utter ridiculousness that was happening in space, but it would have been even just a whole lot better if they allowed for Jim to die because then his redemption would have been earned. Yeah. I, I, I was discussing with my wife and I was like, and he should have died. And you know, it, it, you know, cause that, that's where it just got crazy. Like I literally looked at my wife when he's, you know, he, he's blocking the blast door or whatever the vent it was with that little door. And he somehow managed to survive that. That's where I was like, what did we just change to? We just went from an, a, a fairly, well, I mean, you know, like intriguing existential sci-fi drama to, again, now we're in Armageddon territory and, and they're superheroes who can, you know, do things that are... Well, the, I mean... Even today's suits are designed to withstand a lot of heat. Uh, you know that, that's that's all I'll say about that. Well, that, that I, I didn't find it quite yeah. quite so unbelievable. Yeah, maybe slightly. Well, did, I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, this movie, this script, 
has been uh, floating around for, you know, a decade. And yes, um, yes. I read an interview with, with uh, John, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Spates or something like that, the writer. And mm-hmm. originally it had a completely different uh, third act. And I was like, man, if they'd only made that, it would have been so much more satisfying. And I feel like it just, uh, you know, it turned into like rom-com territory, but I'm the same as you, TJ. I'm, I'm definitely a sucker for a love story. And that's why I still, in the end, liked it. I still liked it because, you know, I want to believe in happily ever after and, you know, finding your soulmate and all that kind of stuff. My wife hates those kind of movies. That's why she hated this movie. But I, uh, you know, I'm definitely a sucker for that kind of stuff. So despite seeing the problems in it. I, I still liked it. I still absolutely liked it. It was, it was a good movie. It was entertaining, but I can certainly see why it's getting such uh, low ratings from the critics. See, and, and maybe I'm, I'm just tired of the, uh, the films that are dark and end dark. Like I, the reason, one of the reasons I liked it is because it didn't end darkly. It did say, you know what? Um, there is redemption to be had here and they did live happily ever after. Like, yeah. I don't think I would have liked it as well personally. And and I know that I'm, again, I'm, I'm uh, like in the, apparently the bottom 1% of people who felt this way. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like I wouldn't have liked it as well had it ended the way you guys wanted it to end personally. Yeah. We'll and, see and, that. And, uh, I don't think I would have either. That's the thing. This, this movie is like a candy bar. It's like, you know, or the last, the last part of it was like a candy bar. It's like, <laughs> it, it made me feel what I wanted to feel. I was happy about the happily ever after nicely, neatly tied up ending, but it wasn't mm-hmm. satisfying. It was, I didn't feel like it was earned or satisfying, even though it tasted good. I don't know if that makes sense, but because Aurora got this redemption as well because she was slipping into this, you know, bitterness and revenge and right, yes. conceit yes. and discontent and discontempt for this, in, not just for Jim, but her entire lot in life on the ship. Yeah. Jim was this admirable guy who was creative and he was trying to muscle through and, and enjoy his life. So really there was nothing not to like about Jim until you realize he made that dubious decision to wake Aurora up. And for Aurora, right, yeah. she also was really likable up to the moment that once she de- coped with the shock and just the the quick onslaught of depression that she should naturally experience when she feels like she, she's been duped by a terrible person that she's fallen in love with. Yeah. And I just want to insert here. What a fantastic bit of acting from Jennifer Lawrence when she discovers the truth. I mean, yeah, that is just marvelous. Great cinema. Yeah. I agree. But then you realize why she is just so fed up with Jim. And so I think that the, the benefit of the third act is that it gives her that opportunity to redeem herself by overcoming her hatred mm-hmm. because you don't want her to get yes. to a dark place. And you don't want her seething with Jim and you don't want her to murder him in the night. So it is refreshing that she was able to be happy and to spend the rest of her life with a really likable guy, all things considered, because if that was the only big astronomical stupid mistake he made on the ship for the rest of their lives, then they clearly could have an excellent life together. (laughs) Well, and I love that final scene where the, the captain and the crew walk into the, the, the deck there and they've completely like, you know, done this arboretum and all this stuff like, and you know, with, you know, they probably had only been dead for what, 10 years uh, at this point, you know, when they woke up 80 some years later, like, or maybe 15 years, I don't know. I did, I had have to do the math. They were a little older than that anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, and it makes so much sense. They spent their life living on the ship and, and changing things and doing things. And I, I just, I love that shot. I love that scene. It was, it was yeah. uh, kind of an aha moment. Yeah, I, I did too. And, and, and that, that's why I say I'm torn because part of me likes the, I, I love, I like the, well, I like the fact that she forgave him and was able to overcome mm-hmm. that because I feel like, uh, uh you know, the, the Hollywood message or, or lie in a lot of, uh, relationship you know, romantic driven stories is, you know, things like that are insurmountable. And, and so part of me liked the fact that, uh, you know, she forgave him and the, and she, you know, she chose to, to be with him, even though he'd hurt her in an, in an, an extreme way. But then another part of me feels like, 
how could she forgive that? You know, like it, it was, there's a point in the movie where she screams out, like it's murder. He stole my life. And I was like, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's exactly what he did. I mean, he essentially killed her. And I just feel like it would have taken longer than, and I don't know how much time passed in the movie, but I feel like it would have taken longer to get over that. Cause that's, that's, it's a huge betrayal. Like that's, that's worse than even like, cheating you know i mean he basically is for his own selfish reasons condemning her to die along with him you know because he was lonely you know and so (laughs) and i just feel like you know that's a hard uh that's a hard um that's just a hard thing to get around for me I, i get that i i came at it from a little different angle which is his decision was completely understandable and they had good chemistry, and she fell in love with him, and uh, happily ever after. Yeah, <laughs> I was I was happy with that. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I that I can understand. Uh, I, I don't quite understand some of the other consternation about this film, but I do understand that, and I I can appreciate it, and I can uh, what's the word em- empathize with you on that. I can understand it, and I can see where you're coming from. Well, I can totally <laughs> empathize with uh, Jim's predicament. You know, I can empathize. Well, I've never experienced this, but I feel like I can empathize with. Getting to the point of loneliness where you're ready to commit suicide and, you know, obviously you're going to make decisions in that state of mind that aren't uh, good decisions. But I still feel like uh, I feel like he should have died because I just feel like I don't know. You can't. I, I just had a real hard time coming back from this horrible thing he did and that it all just kind of wrapped up nicely and neatly. I I feel like it should have been their relationship should have been a lot more rocky after that point. Um, And I don't know. On the other hand, you could argue that, well, the, the things that happened in the movie that caused them to come together would cause most people to come together as well and overcome their differences or hurts or pain. Um, But it just, it, it, like I said, I keep coming back to it. Just didn't quite feel earned. Um, her her forgiveness, their you know happily ever after. It just uh, it didn't quite feel earned to me, and so um, yeah. Now, what, for what it is worth, though, thinking about it this way, Adam, if you, I, I don't necessarily believe that you would feel differently, but would you feel differently if you were going into this just as someone with a a, a like a relaxed eye. You're really not prepared to scrutinize. You're not really thinking about reviewing the movie. You're just in it for, I want some entertainment tonight and I'm watching it with my wife and I'm not going to think about it too hard when we're done and we leave the theater. Do you think that it, you would have enjoyed the movie more even, even with the, how you feel about the last act? I feel like that's how I went into it because, you know, I'm no longer uh, a film critic. I I don't do this regularly. So um, I I feel like that's how I went into it. Um, And maybe what colored it is, like I said, it's the first movie in a decade that my wife hasn't uh, fallen asleep in. So we actually did have a, a very lengthy discussion about it afterward. And had we not had those discussions, I, you know, I might feel differently and I'm probably being too hard on it. Like I enjoyed the movie. I would recommend seeing the movie. I mean, for nothing other than the first two acts that, I mean, I mean the, the special effects and everything were just mind blowing. And it kind of reminded me of minority report. The first time I saw that yeah. movie and all the sort of futuristic gadgets and everything. I love that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And so for the first two acts, it was just this beautiful, you know, CGI and cinematography and, and hurtling through space. And it was, it was just such a beautiful movie and I loved it. Um, but, and like I said, for me, the, the third act didn't destroy it. it. It really hurt it in my opinion, but it didn't, it wasn't so bad that I can't, I, I can't look back on it as an enjoyable time. So I, I really did like it, but you know, where this is what this podcast is. So I'm, I'm <laughs> telling you the things that I didn't like about well, it. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we do disagree from time to time. That does happen. Um, <laughs> uh, w- w- I do want to talk about, and I feel like maybe we can agree on these points. Uh, I really, really, really love the production design of this film. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I thought that the look of the film, the conceptualization of the ship, the ship itself, like everything about the production design of this film 
was super fantastic and everything I would want from a film like this. Absolutely. It didn't make me think spaceship. It made me think really super duper souped up satellite, you know, shaped like a corkscrew flying through space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty sure. slick. I liked I, it. I mean, it made me know, think you, it was more space authentic than something like a Star Destroyer. Oh, for sure. You know, obviously the the way that they produce art, you know, it, it was never explicitly mentioned. This is sort of the sort of thing I actually love about production design is it, it is it it doesn't treat you like you're stupid. You know that, you know, when the elevator goes through the middle, the reason they lose gravity is because it's not, it doesn't have the centrifugal force anymore of the outer rings. Like that's how gravity is generated. And you, you know that because you're smart, right? And, and I don't need, I don't need the movie to, to explain stuff like that. And that's the sort of thing that I love about this film uh, and the production design of it is that the design makes sense and you can intuit these things from the design of it. And, and you're right, Joe, it's definitely a much more of a real world design. Um, and and yeah. the idea of a of a company that builds a ship that's supposed to be, you know, I think uh, Jim mentioned in passing, or maybe it was Aurora, oh, uh, at, or it might have even Mancuso, I don't remember, but but basically it was that oh, this ship's not that's not supposed to happen. This is supposed to be uh, safe from any asteroid and meteors and these sorts of things. And, and you know, the the hubris of the company is totally believable in that way. Yeah, you know, and there's just no there's no process for putting. There's no process for putting these people back to sleep should they wake up too early because no pod has ever failed before, you know, yeah. which you know is totally a lie. <laughs> <That cuts laughs> <But, me up. laughs> well, I, I don't know if you guys that. feel this way, but like, yeah, the, the the first, you know, the first two thirds of the movie were like, it made me, and this is what the best sci-fi does. I feel like it, it made me, uh, I want to, I want to live in that time. You know, it, it made yes. me be like, yes. oh, man, I, I wish, uh, I wish I lived in, in in the era where all that technology is possible. And absolutely, yeah, so it, it totally played into that sort of wish fulfillment kind of um, thing you do when you go to the movies. But um, and I'm not one to with sci-fi. I'm not one to criticize like things that are unrealistic. You know, things that could never oh that could never happen in real space. But some of the things that happened in the third act. I felt were so ridiculous that it just, it took me out of it for, for whatever reason. Yeah. You know, the throwing the shield to reverse your direction. Like that's just not how, yeah. that's not how it works, you know? And I think <laughs> anyone who's watched, uh, you know, a few sci-fi movies or is into, you know, space and science fiction and, and science knows that's not how it works. So you yeah. know, I, I don't know, like yeah. something, things like that kind of, really bugged me when normally those kind of things don't bug me. Um, but it yeah. did in this one for I, some I, reason. I, I feel like it would have been better if the, I, I will agree that if there had been like many thrusters in the suit to kind of help with your trajectory. <laughs> yeah. Like, like that, and that would have been such a simple addition that I, I can agree with something that like that. And, and you know, another instance of where I did have a minor dislike was, uh, when at, at the end, when Aurora is bringing him in and he's, you know, in physical death, right? Like there, there's time to save him if you can re resuscitate him, but he's, he's physically dead. And so she's having the machine throw all the things at him. And, and there's no way in the world, like every, checking every single box in the machine actually revives him because something's going to kill him from all that. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's just, that's, that's ridiculous. I, I, that sort of thing was just dumb. Yeah. And she's freaking out. And she's hitting all the buttons. Like that's, that's not how. That, that that's not how that's that works. <laughs> I think it's wishful thinking. I think a lot of people really want yeah. technology to get to the point that there is some way we can escape death anytime we want. So it, it makes them feel better. Well, if, it's not. It's if not that we throw that out there in a story every now and then. Yeah, I mean, I was fine with them being resuscitated, but she's basically having the machine throw every trick that it has. Some of them probably contrary to one another to revive him, which is just dumb. That was yeah. dumb. Well, and this is what I was going to ask you: is like, um, do you think that uh, Lawrence Fishburne? Okay, so I, when when I saw that scene that that we're discussing, where she, you know, he's dead, she throws him into the med pod or whatever, and just is like, do all the surgeries, and <laughs> and he survives. <laughs> I was thinking. Um, well, if it can do all that, why couldn't it have healed uh, Lawrence Fishburne, you know? And I was... Well, so the menu was for resuscitation. Like, she was just checking all, all the different things it could do to try to save him and revive him. I, it didn't do anything. Like, the problem with Lawrence Fishburne was all his vital organs were damaged from the pod that messed up. Yeah, so we, I guess we I, just I, have to... I didn't to, find that unbelievable. No, not at all. But I guess we just have to accept then that, you know, the med pod is a little bit of, you know a MacGuffin in that, you know, it, it can do whatever it needs to do uh, when the plot calls for it. But <laughs> when it doesn't yeah, call for it, 
it can't do a whole lot. But I also wondered though, if maybe Lawrence Fishburne knew that uh, he could save himself here, but he chose not to um, because he knew that uh, they would, you know, the other two characters would end up, um, you know, needing it or figuring it out. You know, I, I, I don't mm. know if that is actually uh, what was intended, but so I can't, I can't decide if Lawrence Fishburne, you know, basically sacrificed himself or it truly was that he was beyond repairing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. My impression was beyond repairing, but well, you know, and the other thing yeah, too I, is I, that I think other interpretations are possible. And no matter what happens, Jim should have at least had permanent brain damage. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't, I mean, it takes, I think, is, is it seven minutes or something like that? I mean, she may have gotten him in there, you know, before the oxygen was depleted from his brain. I, I don't know. Yeah, But yeah. but again, I, I didn't have so much trouble I, I, with I'm that. kind of the monkey in the middle here because I, I feel like a little bit more like you, TJ, in that I, I see just a, a massive pile of cinema sins and I'm willing to forgive him because it, it is cheesy. <laughs> it is very sentimental and I am a sentimental person, so when it's all said and done, I, I pretty quickly gloss over the fact that they hijacked the superhero feats from Guardians of the Galaxy. And then I yeah. say, I really dug the creative things that they did every opportunity mm-hmm. f- throughout the film. So um, even down to the th- fact that they were really captivating moments when they allowed for Jim to put on the spacesuit and go out on the, the cord and just float in space and relax and enjoy the moment and enjoy space. Yeah. They set it that up early yeah. in the film. So it would, again, it was kind of a Wally moment for Jim and <laughs> I loved it. It was refreshing. And I thought, yeah, this is uh this is cool. But then later when they put him in the suit to go out there and save the ship. Okay. I, I could buy that. But then the fact that he gets blasted by fire Okay, he should die. But then it was it was just that portion where it's kind of like not only did he survive, he survived because of that suit. And yeah, that ruined the fact that I loved that scene earlier with the suit. But on the other hand, if I look at it the other way around, I kind of say, well, the fact that I liked how they used the suits earlier in the film redeems a little bit of how they used the suits later in the film. Um, I know I'm making a concession there. It's not it's supposed to work that way. It's illogical, <laughs> but but they just they could have just done one thing. His suit should have been barbecued. It should have been in a by a, yeah. like a pile of rubble after Aurora mm. took it off of him. You know, just to show that it had actually some wear and tear. I don't remember it looking that way. Did did we see it after she brought him in or? I don't think we really yeah. saw it after she brought him in. I was disappointed. Yeah, it, it pretty much went from her to bringing him in to getting him on the table, which was another thing I was thinking. Uh, there's no way uh, Jennifer Lawrence is lifting Chris Pratt onto a uh, a desk height table. <laughs> I mean, maybe there's enough adrenaline <laughs> I mean, in that moment, a, but I don't know. Yeah, adrenaline, and she's uh, she's not a small woman. She's about my, uh, according to Google, you know, if if it has the things right, she's about my height, five foot nine. Um, so I, I don't yeah. know. I, I didn't find that so unbelievable. Mm. I, I don't know. I feel so, like you're nitpicking guys. <laughs> I probably, I, I probably am like, like I said, like I said, I, I enjoyed the movie. So it's, if that's what it comes down to, then, um, then yeah. it's good. You know, I would recommend seeing it, but, um, as a, uh, you know, an amateur critic, I, I still feel like, uh, the, the, the third act just, you know, it just turned superhero, you know, it just turned, it just mm. turned into, you know, um, just stuff that I didn't feel like, uh, feel like could happen, you know, even though we're talking about a movie, clearly none of it could happen, but, um, <laughs> you know, within the rules that the movie set for itself, um, I feel like it, uh, it couldn't happen. It's too bad. They couldn't get what's his name. Uh, Michael Sheen, the Butler, what was his name? Uh, uh Arthur. Yeah. It's too bad. They couldn't get Arthur out there to just, you know, hold the lever. <laughs> well, I think his bottom half is basically a stand. I don't know. Yeah. Or, or some, yeah. It's like his bottom half is a Segway or something. Basically he can, I, I did love Michael Sheen as that Android though. I have, to Oh, say. he was great. He was fantastic. He was great. Uh, before Joe, before you bring this in for a landing, I just want to say too, I've been uh, listening to the soundtrack today while I worked and it is, I, I love oh. Thomas Newman's soundtrack for this film. It is fantastic. Do you, do you feel like it, it's a homage to Wally? I mean, it really, to me, it, it, it well, sent those vibes. It's 
It's the same composer, so and, and a lot of times with composers, you'll find uh, very similar styles uh, even amongst different films. Uh, certainly true with many some composers more than others. Uh, I, I I think of uh, of uh, um, uh, Horner, uh, James yeah. Horner. Yeah. Yeah. His scores often sounded pretty similar. Jerry Goldsmith has a, a recognizable style throughout all of his scores. Uh, you know, John Williams uh, has a pretty recognizable style and sometimes even repeats himself occasionally. Throughout his scores, if you don't believe me, just listen to the Star Wars score and then go listen to the Indiana Jones score, and you will know exactly what I mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I feel like what you're hearing, Joe, is probably the same uh, style of the composer. But to be honest, I don't remember the music from Wally that well. Uh, I can't think of it in my head right now. So it may okay. be I, there may be something. There. I liked it a lot. I'm going to listen to it a hundred times. I know I'm going to listen to it a lot. It's the kind of music I can listen to while at work. It's great. Yes. Well, I yeah. need to say, having listened to it today, it is fantastic, and I, I, I'm in love with it. Okay, so, gentlemen, let's talk about how we would uh, score this film, not necessarily a rating, but we would, would we give it a thumbs up, a thumbs down? Mm. Would you recommend people catch it in the sad. theater? Would you not catch it in the theater? <laughs> uh, would you watch it with your wives that are not nostalgic and not sentimental? <laughs> uh, how about you, Adam? Well, um I would totally see it in the theater just for the first two acts. Uh, it's, you know, I was, it was kind of breathtaking, you know, all that space imagery and stuff. And, and it actually makes me wish, I don't know if it was released in IMAX, but um, if it was, I, I wish I had seen it in that. And so, yeah, absolutely. It's, I think it's worth seeing in the theater. All right. TJ. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I like this film a lot, obviously. Um, I If we're doing the traditional five-star rating, I'd probably go with four out of five stars. Definitely a thumbs up from me. Uh, and I think, uh, knowing my wife the way I do, um, I, that I think she would like it as well. But we'll see probably when it comes out on uh, on a home video. I doubt if she'll get to the theater with me to see it. We probably see two or three movies together a year, maybe four. Uh, I don't know, maybe a few more than that, but I don't know that we'll see. In, in any event, I'm rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like this film. Uh, I enjoyed uh, I, I enjoyed it so much. I, I I do think that it's worth seeing on the big screen for sure, just because, like you said, Adam, the imagery and the the awe inspiring scenes and the the design really pop on the big screen. I wished I had seen it in big D. Uh, but there, it was, it's not in Big D anymore by the time I got to the theater. We, we have in our theater something called Big D at the, the Carmike. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's not IMAX, but it's close. It's big. Um, and I didn't get that experience. But even so, it was fantastic, and I loved it. I, I enjoyed this film from the get-go. The score is great. The visual effects are great. I love the design throughout, like you said, TJ. It feels very cohesive. It feels like a the ship is a product that people would want to use. It's a rotten mm-hmm. shame. It's only supposed to be in use for what did they say four or five months after everybody wakes up off of uh, at the end, yeah. preparing yeah. for the end of their sh- their journey. Um, I mm-hmm. thought it was odd too that there was virtually no uh, like commanders, no crew apart from the autopilot. It was really depending a lot on auto and. Uh, uh, this is well, I guess too. it would have to if if the journey is 120 years. Um, know, right, it's exactly. Crazy. Even if they crazy. were going to have someone be awake, they're not going to survive that long. So, um, I, well, I, unless I it's a it's future a where people live that long. But yeah, yeah. Well, my my thought was, I will say this real quick before we really wrap it up. But my thought was, I, and this could be maybe a dislike. Why wouldn't the thing be programmed to wake one or two crew members up? every year and check on things, make sure that the ship's okay and then put them back. And that's the reason it made so much like, really, you have no way to put people back in cryo. Like, come on. (laughs) Well, I feel like they tried to explain that a little bit where he was like, remember all the procedures we had to go through and all the setup, you know? So I I feel like, but yeah, I also agree. Like there's all this technology, really there, there's not, I mean, the most, obvious fail safe is what if someone wakes up there, there was no one in a board meeting that ever asked that question, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, sorry to, sorry to derail the ending of the show, Joe, go ahead and, and bring us back into the yeah. track. Uh, I really loved it. I enjoyed the character of Arthur. I loved how all the different places throughout the ship had their own vibe and mystique. Then they did some pretty cool character arcs, allowing for both of them to have redemption that was uh, related and very, very different and very personal to both of them. Didn't appreciate the over-the-top cliches and the, when I say cliches, I mean like the, this bad ball of wax that happened because they wanted to be faithful to romance 
and make it exciting like a sci-fi for the closure. So uh, I still give it a thumbs up. I intend to see it again to get a better a better opinion of it, to form a better opinion of it. And I don't know if I can really recommend it to friends, though, because it is teetering on that that quality of, I just don't know how many people would really dig this film or they would be disappointed by the end. So I knew I, you were going to make me sad, Joe. <laughs> I have to, I have to say, uh, think about it. Check out the, the, check out the trailer. And if you're prepared for a potential letdown for the ending, then go ahead and go see it and you'll probably enjoy it. Mm. Yeah, me too. I, yep. if, if I was, if it was four stars, I would give it a uh, two, I think two out of four, which is, which that's good for me, if you know me. That's a million. Yeah, it, <laughs> okay. yeah. Okay. So it's it's like it's like saying it wasn't especially horrible, but it it wasn't especially great either. So it's it's in the middle. It's kind of average. Well, the like okay, the first two acts are stellar. I mean that that's five out of five for me, and then the last third was zero out of five. So if we if we average that out, <laughs> then yeah, we're going to get yeah. two and a half. So yeah. Yep, that right, makes sense. Right. All right, Adam, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Where can people find you? Are you writing? Are you tweeting? What do you do? I'm barely doing anything right now, but I'm pretty much AV Clark everywhere on Twitter and dot coms and all that stuff. Okay, well, we'll have you back, cool. man. We'll talk about another movie. I'd love to. A bit more awesome. Yeah. Let, so. let, let's find a, a film we can all agree is is great. That's that's one of my <laughs> themes this last year and this year and going into this year is just let's let's be positive. So. <laughs> 2016 really did a number on us. We're going to make 2017 yeah. yes. a better year. <laughs> And how about you, TJ? Where can people find you? Well, as always, I am TJ Draper Pro on Twitter, and I love to continue the conversation with uh, anybody who wants to about this film. So feel free to at me on Twitter, as they say. Uh, what do the cool kids call that? Anyway. Um, J-Law. They call it J-Law. <laughs> nice callback. So, uh, yeah, so uh, that's where you'll find me. Okay, and I am JCS Darnell on Twitter, and you can catch me there and strike up any conversation. And you will also find the show with show notes at nightowl.fm slash retake and it's uh isn't it slash 16 for the episode this is the 16th episode yeah, yes yeah. cool we're 16 or sweet 16 all right thank you so much guys <laughs> it's been a blast thanks joe bye You look fine this evening. We're on a date. Very nice. Took you long enough to ask. I was giving you space. Oh, space. The one thing I do not need more of. 